0: It's fun. We are back, baby. We are back. That's
1: we are back. You are looking live.
0: We get after it. You know we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here. And welcome to the Moose and Rooms podcast, this episode 60 of the pod, episode six zero. joined now by Matt Rooney for all 60 of them. I don't know, I might have been out for... I out for you, one you, of them?
1: you did miss one or two, I believe. You, you so, know what? There was a, a, a guest when I when interviewed Mark Schinowski a couple weeks, or a couple months ago. That gotcha. was the one I did solo. I had to, I had to, you did
0: that one, so, so teasing forward, we might have... Uh, I'm going to have big ski on the pod here to talk some NBA in the coming week. So keep a lookout for that one. But for that's now, what we call it. It's cheese. just, uh, it's just me and the Rune dog talking some sports. Thank you all for uh, joining us here for episode 60. I know some of you uh, have been there for all 60 and we appreciate you guys. Hopefully we can bring you a little bit of entertainment in this one as well. Matt uh, plenty, plenty, plenty to talk about today. The, the trophies have been handed out. We're working into the slow, uh, slow days of summer. Nothing we look forward to, but uh, we'll find something to talk about as we always do, my friend. But uh, before we get into it, Matt, uh, you know... I want to know how you're doing today. I want to know how you're feeling. I want to know what Matt Rooney is being brought to the table here for me for the next hour.
1: Well, quite honestly, I just, ever since I found out that Tiger pulled up his yacht next to Shinnecock in the Hamptons, like I've just, that's really all I've been able to think about is how much of a power move and how badly I just (laughs) want to be that. And he he has the sense of humor, too, in a press conference. Call his $20 million yacht the dinghy. Yeah, just staying on the dinghy for the week. I think it's going to help me out. God, that must be nice.
0: It's actually called privacy. That's one thing that like if I, if I had tiger money, I have no interest in a floating vessel to sink money into like
1: that. Yeah, like, but he's got I, so much that it really doesn't I know, matter. Yes,
0: yeah, but you're paying $2 million to for upkeep a year, maybe using it. I think that's probably why he did this. It, it, to dock this in the Hamptons, he's like, I have this yacht I don't use much. Let me pull this up to the Hamptons. It's, very, it's very
1: possible he just bought this yacht like a couple months ago when he realized what no, was going on.
0: He's had privacy okay. for
1: a long time. Sorry, I was. Privacy. i have not been up on uh, on Tiger's yacht and, and boat purchases. Because I, I remember
0: during during the tumultuous times there were like pictures of him on the back of the yacht like trying to escape the paparazzi and like trying to hide on the yacht i remember that ironic but, uh, that he was trying yeah, to it, escape
1: via privacy of uh <laughs> of all the uh of all
0: the indulgences i don't think yacht would be high up there on the list for me no i am kind
1: of with you like I, I don't think i would that doesn't do i can always just rent a yacht
0: i'd buy another like Land-bound home somewhere for for as much as the yacht cost. Yeah, but there we're, you go. We're, we're getting off track here. We'll get to U.S. Open talk in just a bit, and Tiger talk. Maybe that'll be a mailbag next
1: week. Is what would you do Could with be. Tiger money?
0: Tiger money. I'd buy a tiger. I'd buy an actual <laughs> oh, that'd tiger. Easily be the first
1: purchase.
0: <laughs> um, all right, Matt. Well, let's uh, let's get the let's get the trophies out of the way first. Let's talk uh, NBA Finals. Kind of uh, uh, a a flop of a finish there in Game Four. Everyone, I've heard a lot of people complaining about you know the lack of competitiveness in this finals and how it was so predictable. But at the same time, I was very entertained by these finals because of what happened in each game. Game one, you had 51 points by LeBron James and an all-time brain fart by J.R. Smith a Loved missed it. free throw by George Hill. Apparently, a punched whiteboard after the game. So I'm that sure, took sure his there was life. After the uh, after the fact, game two, Steph Curry goes off for forty one, couldn't miss. Uh, game three is the Kevin Durant game, quite possibly one of the best finals performances we've ever seen from anyone. Game four was just a formality, and that, and I think that will remember this series for what happened games one through three. Game four just seemed like a foregone conclusion even before the ball tipped. So it was uh it was quick, it was uh painless other than game one for Cavs fans, but I, I still think it was a very entertaining collection of three and a Half basketball games.
1: It was. I mean, game four, like you said, was kind of, like you said, it was a formality. Everybody pretty much knew it was going to happen there, uh, especially when Golden State got that. It, it was close most of the way, or most of the first half. And then I think Golden State kind of pulled away a little bit earlier. You knew it was mm-hmm. over there. Um, game two for me, well, I, granted, that was the one I didn't watch. But uh, it was kind of a blow, and Steph kind of did his thing and had some, some highlight reel moments. But like you said, games one and three were – I, I they were about as exciting a playoff game as I feel like you can draw up. With, with the ending yeah. and the, like, the pageantry counted at, to end game one there with the, with the end game drama, that was fantastic. And then, like you said, in game three, the, the Cavs did everything they could and should to have to win that game. And Kevin Durant's performance, especially that dagger three to put him up six with, what, like 40 seconds left or mm-hmm. whatever it was. That is – I know it was in you know game three of a, of a pretty much foregone conclusion of a series – But that, for me, is one of the greatest final shots I think I've ever seen in my life. It it
0: absolutely was. And the thing is, is Kevin Durant's play throughout the NBA playoffs this year was spotty. There were moments where he was fantastic, moments where he looked like he couldn't make a shot and he was trying to play iso ball against Houston and costing his team games. But when the rubber met the road in any series, he was there and he showed up and I don't think we give Kevin Durant enough credit for a number of reasons for going to the Warriors and maybe taking a little bit of the weight off his shoulders by by having that roster surrounding him as a safety net. We don't give him the credit because his personality is a little bit more reserved. He's a little bit more introverted. Um, He's still very entertaining and fun in post-game press conferences, but when he hit that three-pointer, for instance, he was stone-faced. That's his celebration. He's he's a little bit more internal, and I uh-huh. think, in turn, we don't give him uh, maybe maybe his fair shake. But when the rubber met the road, Kevin Durant was there and hitting the big shot. He's a big-time player, and he showed that he's clutch, not only this year, but in last year's Game 3 finals as well. I mean, doesn't matter who's around you. If you have the ball in your hands, you got to make the shot in that situation. Kevin Durant has shown that he can do that.
1: Yeah, and like. They- Kevin Durant in game three, not only was he great, but he was great when his team really had to because, I mean, Clay exactly. wasn't playing great. Steph was something like 0 for 9, or started that game like 0 for 9 from three. And like the first one he made mm-hmm. was one where he was, it was like a wide big open one of the at the four. big one of the four, but it was one where he was absolutely the wide open and there the was end. no one within five feet of him. Like he, no one on that team was really playing all that well. And the only reason they were still in that game was Kevin Durant. and. I know it's yeah. been said a bunch of times now, but it, he's never really going to get the credit that he probably deserves as the clear-cut second best player of this generation. And if it weren't for LeBron being an all-time great, Durant would be, I think, easily the best player from this generation. But he's an all-time great, but I don't think he's ever going to get that credit that he probably deserves because of kind of what you were saying, whether it's his personality, whether it was you know kind of joining off and being the final piece of a super team where he you know went to Steph's team type deal. But watching him play basketball, for me, is almost every bit as fun it is to watch LeBron. I know LeBron's the better player, but th- there is a conversation to be had there. That's how good Kevin Durant is and how fun it's yeah, to watch. Yeah,
0: and, and I think that at the end of his career, after we look at all the scoring titles and all the accolades and an MVP trophy, perhaps another, who knows, uh, we will give Kevin Durant. I think history will remember Kevin Durant uh, for what he's accomplished. I just don't think that right now anyone's in the position to do that because— he took the easy route.
1: And do, do you buy, t- I
0: don't fault him for that at all.
1: Do you have the early buy or sell here? Do you buy or buy <laughs> or sell his, his comments there saying he's, you know, he thinks 35 is probably the, uh, I'd be mark for him. I kind of do that, too. That, Most guys that's, I'd that's say a, no. Cause he can get some paychecks there, but he didn't seem like the guy who who wants has, to hang around.
0: That's a man who has a vision of the future. That's a man who knows that there's going to be another contract in his career. And, he's already starting to create storylines headlines that may affect that that next check not not that he needs another one but he's uh he's letting it be known what his intentions are now convince me otherwise with a fat check i think is uh is largely a part of that move as well but um the warriors do have to do some some finagling depending on where the salary cap is in the next few years. I believe Draymond's up in two years as well as clay. So we'll see if they can keep this core together, but it doesn't look like the warriors are going to, um, kowtow to anyone in these next few years. I think that they're the, they're the team to beat obviously. And we could be talking about a bulls Celtics type dynasty in which we're seeing them every year in the finals and, a lot of years they're winning it. I, I, I don't see they're obviously going to be the odds-on favorite next year, mm-hmm. and unless LeBron goes somewhere and a team loads up, no one is in the position to beat the Golden State Warriors. You saw what they did this year. They what did they win? Fifty-six games, something like that, or was it more than? I, I, I'm I might be off on that one, but they coasted to the playoffs. Yeah, they were fifty-six and, and
1: twenty something. It wasn't 56, like your something like that. Wasn't your ridiculous regular season like there they posted They posted there, and
0: they know exactly what they have to do. So don't be fooled by a regular season performance next year by the Golden State Warriors at all. They know what they have to do once they get to the playoffs. And frankly, it is a detriment to the NBA, not because of Golden State, but because no one else can contend. And I guess that might be their fault, but the, all they did was do what they could do in free agency and, and maximize their chance to win. Did it affect the competitive balance? Yes. But now the onus falls on the rest of the league to become competitive because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you draft. If you're the Chicago bulls, if you're the Sacramento, Kings, oh, let's not talk about the bulls. If you're the Suns, I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you do unless you add a super max guy, unless you add LeBron James and pieces around him, because as deep as the talent is in the NBA, there are certain plateaus where you have your group, your top group of 10 guys. And right now, or let's say the top group of 15 guys. And right now four of those top 15 or three of those top 15 are on one team. Seven of those top 15 are on two teams right now. And, and that's an issue, but that's an issue that happens when, uh, when, when you're in this era of teaming up and making super teams. And um, I think it's good. I think it's good come May, June, but until May June, I think it's a detriment to the league because you know why are we watching Bulls versus Mavericks in the middle of in the middle of the season or right after the All Star break when we know it's an inconsequential matchup? There needs to be some sort of consequence for regular season basketball. That's not the case right now. But I was thoroughly entertained by playoff basketball this year.
1: Yeah, so here's one question I wanted to ask you: You brought up the the contract situations uh, with, with Draymond and, and Clay, and I believe. They said Draymond can be offered an extension this summer, which I believe—correct me if I'm wrong—means he's up after next. Yeah, I think that's. I, I believe that's how the NBA works. You can start offering a year before the or the, a year it will, through. It, but it's all
0: it's all contingent on what Durant does. And they said they're going to rework him this well, offseason. Here's so my question I, for I might you, the though: Backtrack there and say this could be his last contract if he's thinking 35, and they rework him for the next six years. Well, then. You know, at 35, he's going to have to be convinced of his future.
1: Well, here's my question for you, though, on Draymond, who also, they, they think the piece came out earlier this week how he took less money so they can go out and get Durant, which mm-hmm. they, they did, and that's great on his part, and they, they won titles because of it. But if he, I believe I read, is either, he's not going to be an MVP, but if he's a defensive player of the year or makes one of the all-NBA teams, he is eligible for a Supermax at, at, in his next contract. If you're Draymond Green, as is, is fun as this has been, and as fun as four titles in five years is going to be, if you get a chance at what what's like five years, two hundred some plus million dollars to go to, with, it wouldn't with be with gold. with four titles belt. under your belt, can you say no to that? Like honestly, like it so. is, is, as awesome as it would be to you know take less and do what it is. I don't know, obviously, how much money, how much less you would have to take, but it'd have to be a hell of a lot more. You know, a hell of a lot less than that. I don't yeah, think I could say no to going and playing. That, for the Sacramento Kings for lack of a better team popping into my head for a super max than taking less to play with the Warriors. No.
0: And it it wouldn't surprise me because Draymond's not, not that he's uh, hurting for cash by any means, but he's not a guy who has the endorsement and business opportunities Mm -hmm. that a guy like Kevin Durant has. And that's their personal business. Go get your money wherever you can get it. But if all was right in the world and they are really an egoless super team, Kevin Durant would take less this summer, so so Draymond could sign the Supermax or something close to it because KD in no way is hurting for money. He's very diversified apparently in the tech space and has uh, minority ownership in a couple of big-time companies, and he's going to be fine. He's already fine. Draymond's already fine as well, but if we're talking about on-court money, it is Draymond's turn to get paid I don't know what this team looks like without the glue that is Draymond. You saw how they struggled without the glue that was Andre Ingudala for mm-hmm. a six-game stretch. Hey, the I Washington know it was Conference without KD, finals but the finals.
1: we saw them without Draymond a couple years ago, and they blew a 3-1 lead.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so I think that it's very important that they keep him around, but if it was more of a Steph, Clay and KD core without Draymond, and they had to go get another... Uh, a tempo guy, a guy who can really change the course of a game, I still think they're the team to beat. I mean, look at – you're talking about two of the all-time three-point shooters in the history of the game, two of the most prolific shooters in the history of the game, and two of the top 30 players, I'm comfortable to say, that's ever played the game, two of the top 40 players in Steph and in KD. I think history will remember those guys as top 25 guys. And if you have two top 25 guys and an all-time three-point shooter next to them, I don't care who the other two guys are on the court. You should be all right.
1: I, I don't think I can argue that. But joke. I wanted to ask you: can, can we talk about the other trophy that was won?
0: We can talk about whatever the other you one? want to talk about, man. Well, because yeah, I think it,
1: it, I think Alexander Ovechkin still might be kind of drunk.
0: So you still you still haven't bent the knee though, because I will never. You, you had uh, you had these caps written off Game Six and Game Seven. I did they, not
1: have them written off. I said, show it to me. I said well, prove they, it to me
0: and they absolutely did one they did i was, have no watching uh, no problem watching with watching ov hoist that uh, that stanley cup was was amazing stuff and he has not stopped I think he's still it hoisting it, it. yeah it's uh it's it's a, it's an exciting time and i remember back in 2010 when those guys had won their first one and there's nothing like the first one and not to go backwards but that's what the Warriors said as well. It was a different feeling this year. They had to do it differently. You saw hey, it in their celebration. You know, they were kind of just
1: like high-fiving yeah, like they just won five a in a, a row. It was a little bit like, more
0: reserved. You got to the mountaintop, but it wasn't that unbridled exultation that it is when it is a, it is a first-time championship yeah. type thing like we saw in the Capitals this year, and that's always amazing stuff to see in sports.
1: For me, it was, it was really cool during that cup celebration seeing Ovi and Nicholas Backstrom both at the same time kind mm-hmm. of win that cup together. Because Nicholas Backstrom, if he wasn't playing with Ovi, he'd be seen as one of the like a top fifteen, probably player, top twenty player in the NHL. But he's always Mm -hmm. kind of been under that shadow because he's playing with Alex Ovechkin, and he's been there just about as long. And seeing those two kind of hold the cup after how many—I don't want to say choke job. I don't want to use the c word, but some some failed attempts at cup. Seeing them them finally get over the hill was uh, was something special. Hats off to Vegas too, because I know they lost uh, four to one, but that series was still a lot of fun. Those games with the, except for the one that was like four to one were all mm-hmm. super competitive games. It pretty much came down to the wire. And they, I mean, they had the lead going into the third, I think, uh, in, in game five too.
0: Yeah. A fun run by Vegas, but it always kind of felt like, and I thought it was going to come up short in the, in the conference finals, but mm-hmm. I it obviously sort of not. I. Um, but, uh, it was one of those, it was one of those championship runs, Cinderella stories that falls just short. And, um, if it was going to fall short to anyone, I'm glad it was to Ovechkin and a bunch of guys who deserved that cup, who busted it this year. And no greater moment than the TJ Oshie, uh, interview was, after was the game about his dad, just a, an emotional moment there for him, for the whole family and just fantastic stuff to see. And it was, uh, it was, I think the best team in hockey. Do you feel, cause I feel that the best team in hockey won the Stanley cup this year.
1: Best I'm, I'm not sure they were the absolute best team in hockey. Uh, they, they were definitely the one that got hot at the right time and, and wrote a hot goaltender. Uh, I, I can't for sure say that they weren't, but I still think you saw some some pretty other, some, some very good teams. I don't think Vegas was the best team in the West as well. Like I've kind of said, Winnipeg looked, really good. Winnipeg looked. I think they got hot. Winnipeg. I think was really one of the best again. teams in hockey. Tampa was fantastic. Nashville. They only made it to the second round, but that's because they went you know, Nashville punch for punch. They went punch for punch with Winnipeg in seven in the second round. You don't have to give Nashville credit. Do do you not like Nashville? Are we against Nashville? I I just
0: feel like, you know, throughout the, not the dynasty, but the successful stretch that the Blackhawks have had in the last decade, we've had different adversaries, whether it be Vancouver, Detroit on the way in, the Blues, uh, whoever, Boston for a second there, but Mm -hmm. teams that you met multiple times in the postseason. L.A., but... I feel like Nashville is that team now. We, we've had success against them and we've had failure against them. And I feel like to get back to the mountaintop, it goes through Nashville.
1: I'm not disagreeing. I'm not saying I don't like them. I'm just saying that they. I'm not saying I like I'm, them. I'm saying I'm they creating to an turn. adversary in my head so the I Hawks do have something that.
0: to shoot for again.
1: Well, the Hawks have a lot more than just beating Nashville to shoot for. I think next no, year. I, I think they, they think they got to get back <clears throat> to the playoffs before they can beat them in the playoffs. But that's a good question. I mean, obviously they won the Cup. Washington did. So right now they are the best team in hockey. There's no doubt about it. But this wasn't like you know the NBA. Fun- the NBA where you know you knew Golden State was going to win it once they got there. This was. From pretty much round one on, any team playing in any series yeah. was, was wouldn't <laughs> have shocked me if they went on in advance. That's again for me, like we have said, was the complete was, was opposite much of the of the NBA.
0: It. it was exactly it was, a, it was parody personified.
1: But uh, that what I mean it was a fun run. And I, I don't think I've ever had a perception change on a player. I think as much as I did with Alex Ovechkin going into you know from beginning of the season to the end of this playoffs, he'd always kind of mm-hmm. been like the. Lazy, all offense, never really going to change type guy. Who's going to? Who he shrinks in the bigger moments. To, I mean, front and center, he was playing not great two way hockey, but better efforts defensively than he'd always had in the past. He, he was, was scoring big time goals to when they, they mattered. He was physical when he needed to be, but it wasn't really crossing any lines like he had sometimes in the past and seeing his celebration how excited he got like even just uh, it, when they were scoring regular goals like you know in the second period of of game 2 when they were up one nothing in the series whatever how excited he was getting for every goal every big moment on the bench he was acting like they just won the cup he he seemed like a genuinely different guy than he'd been in the past and i think that absolutely had something to do with how how well they played and how much that group kind of came together towards the end
0: yeah i think uh i think it was it was just a blast to watch and to see a team Finally, you get over the hump. You've got to be so happy for that fan base. I have no bad blood for the Caps or for Caps fans. So to see a team get there, especially in a year when the Hawks aren't there and I don't feel like there was any uh, – I just didn't feel like the Hawks could have done anything this year, obviously, because they weren't in the playoffs. I had written them off months ago and – it didn't hurt at all to watch no, another team no it wasn't yeah it wasn't like they it,
1: it wasn't like last year when he got swept in the first round or like yeah. they you know we're coming down to no the wire if. there's it was, no uh, what is there's no one yeah if. it was nice that well what if Cory Crawford was what healthy? if Corey okay. Crawford
0: doesn't get hurt but at least 3
1: days into the season okay. yeah, at least that happened in, in december and not uh yeah. not april but uh, a yeah. fun, fun series fun season uh playoffs are over
0: Playoffs are over. We move forward. We tr- we trudge on, and Matt, we can't think about uh, we can't enough. think about the slow weeks here just okay. yet because we got U.S. Open this weekend and uh, next weekend, or I guess this week is uh, in mini camps, and then we're off till about not the pod, but uh,
1: no pod. Sports, uh, pod doesn't take s- breaks. Sports uh, hitting their full
0: stride when uh, late July when when camp starts back up for football. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We're talking U.S. Open at Shinnecock right now, Matt. It's going to be a fun weekend. It is going to be a true test. It looks dry out there. It looks fast. The fescue looks thick. And um, it should be a, a great test. And I think the U.S. Open is always that test that shows you not only who is the most talented golfer, but who has the mental fortitude to really stand up to a test that's going to try you at every corner.
1: No, that's that's I'm totally with you there. It's, it's the most challenging Difficult tournament, and I intentionally by design. Uh, I think that way, and that's why I think Tiger, having the mental advantage of having the boat there, Joe. I think it's Tiger by a million. The boat boat might be a big advantage. He's got the mental right edge. He was talking about in the press conference. So some guys got you know, they're, they're two hotels so like an hour and a half something away. You know, you never know what can happen. You can get in some traffic, you can miss tea time, whatever. Tiger is in his own head. He's already planted that he has an advantage, and I like well, He's that.
0: not parked next to the course. He's, he's basically parked next to the course. He's it's, up in the that It's a forty-five minute drive, as
1: what it's I close read. enough. It's closer. Close enough. Closer than the other guys.
0: And uh, those who stay at sea are successful. You know, that's uh, that's an old sailor saying, I believe. I uh, sure. That's, who it's texted not true you at all? It's not true at all. Uh, Bobby Zarnowski texted oh. me. Shout out to a uh, friend of the podcast, Bobby Zarnowski. Um, but, uh, I will mute, I will mute the, uh, oh, that's the, okay. the notifications here, that's Okay. but, uh, Matt coming, coming into this week at Shinnecock, I'm not sure how much, uh, pregame you've got, I've gotten in, but I've got it on right now. What, uh, what type of player do you think is going to emerge victorious? Now, a, a fun stat here, the last seven U S open winners have come from the top 30 in the world golf ranking. So it's likely going to be a big name or a recognizable name.
1: mm mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost always the guys who can hit the ball a long way come U.S. Open time. I, I know last year was Brooks Kepka, year before that was DJ. It's it's a lot of these guys who can Justin keep the ball Roy. in the fairway who, who can hit the ball long. And I, with the way DJ's playing, the way he played last week, I, I don't think there should be a favorite outside of Dustin Johnson. I mean, I, there's obviously any of those top names can do it, but the way he's playing and, and when he's – we've talked about this before in podcasts past about how there's not really a, a guy from this group of, you know, 10 or, you know, 11 golfers, whatever it is that kind of separates themselves that often. But I think when he's playing at his best, when he is at his best, DJ is the, the you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the, that group, the, the one guy who's capable of pulling away from everybody when he's at his best that nobody can really touch.
0: Yeah. And he looked like he was kind of hitting that pace, that stride last week in his win at the uh, St. Jude. Uh, that amazing hole out at 18, mm-hmm. just a finish in style. Already had the thing won. He, he one he hops, two hops it in. It was uh, it was fantastic stuff. The only thing going against him is history. No player in the history of the U.S. Open has won the week prior and gone on to win the U.S. Open. So first time history against them. There is a first time for anything. And I think if that record is to be broken, it's by a guy like DJ who could control the driver off the tee because this is a – Shinnecock course that tips out close to 7,500 yards. So while it might, while it, while it might have the links look to it, it's got the length of a true American golf course, uh, Tiger's going to have to hit that driver be in control of that driver there are some holes where he can take that driving iron on the bag and that's one thing that I've seen from Tiger in this most recent comeback is he's not afraid to leave himself a six iron in and be in the middle of the fairway he will take the driving iron he will take a three wood or a hybrid Uh uh, just to kind of keep the thing down the middle keep the screws on the thing and then have a longer approach shot in which he he feels more comfortable with but Tiger's game has rounded into form quicker than we could have expected. It's the putting that is still lagging behind. So if he can get the speed this week, I think we'll find him in contention once again.
1: Yeah, but I feel like that's just kind of the one thing. Even in his previous comebacks, it's I know it's usually the last thing to come. I feel like too, but that's kind of the one thing we've always been waiting for him is you know once Tiger starts you know making those you know nine ten footers consistently like he used to, that's when he'll finally be back. But he just never seems to consistently be knocking those down anymore.
0: But I think it's, it's also important to compare him to the field and not to Fair previous enough. Tiger. Because previous Tiger didn't miss inside of 10 feet for like a three-year span. And I know that's hyperbole, but he only missed a few times. It's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous to look at the statistics of what he did with the putter throughout it's a good
1: that eight-year
0: stretch. So are we going to compare him to a ghost? Are we going to compare him to the greatest putting streak quite possibly in the history of the game? Or are we going to compare him to the field? And he has not he has not stacked up well against the field either. So he does have to be better. But I think we need to be realistic in the expectation of his putter because there's only been a few guys in the history of the game who have gotten better past the age of 40 on the putting green. That's usually when the touch goes. And Tiger's getting to that range and he's going to have to i don't know get his proximity down get a little closer to the pin to give himself those actual chances or hope for that magic to return to the flat stick which i don't think should be expected
1: now joe now that it's it's legal again uh it's legal in this country to to do so i've, I've pulled up the, the gambling odds no joe oh, my bad the, the my gambling bad. the gambling <laughs> odds um, for wagering um on this us open because mm-hmm. now that it's legal we can participate give me in some, such give such me some events. odds here uh, our boy DJ is going off at 8 to 1. He is the, the favorite. favorite? Uh, this is from Bovada, uh, Bovada's website. Apparently, that's a, a sports website that will take your wagers. Never heard of it before. Um, <laughs> Justin, Ro- Justin Rose, Justin Thomas, and Rory McElroy all going off at 14 to 1. Jason Day at 16 to 1, I think I kind of like. I don't hate that. I like one. that,
0: and I like Rose at 14. Rosie always finds a way to, despite a double bogey on Thursday or a triple on Friday. Rose is always way back there. In their Saturday he's
1: always now. right up there, it seems. Yeah. John John Rahm is going off at 18. Uh, and he's a guy, he hits the ball a, a long, long way. Yeah, if he can but keep that he doesn't, straight. He doesn't have it, the, the mental He does game. not have
0: a U.S. Open temperament. That's he fair. He's the guy that. who... He's the guy who a double or a triple bogey will ruin his That's week.
1: fair. Uh, yeah. Jordan Spieth is also Jordan Speeth at eighteen to one. I kind of I think that's not a not a bad value play right there. If the
0: putter gets hot, he'll be there.
1: I feel like when the putter gets hot, there's not many who putt better than Jordan Spieth does. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Fowler's at eighteen, and then our, our boy Tiger is going off at twenty two to one, and I don't I don't think I'd go anywhere near that. Not even a little taste. Man. I don't think so. I love Tiger. I told you. I've told you when Tiger's got his chance. I've said it since we started. Since he started his comeback, uh, Tiger's chances at the British when he doesn't really have to hit that driver all that often, keep that driving iron low off the tee through the wind. He's won a British Open without a driver before. I think he can do it again, Joe.
0: We'll watch some stingers. It'll be a a great week for the Pro Tracer if they got it out. And then
1: then we we got the one and only, the the guy who looks like he's probably going to be chasing it forever. But Phil is at twenty-eight to one. 28-1.
0: 28-1. to 1. I think and I'd be more likely to be, take Phil
1: at 28 than Tiger at 22.
0: And it's Phil's I don't know how old he's turning, but it's his birthday on Saturday. He's like 46, 47. 40, something like that. But it yeah. uh, would just be fantastic to have him in contention. Uh, uh, Mike Torrico did a fantastic piece yesterday that aired, I believe it was on Golf Channel. Um, he sat down with Phil. It was an extended interview. And of those runner-ups, I believe he has, what, six runner-ups at the yeah. U.S. Open. Four of them have come in the greater New York area. So if you there want you to go. tie in there. Phil uh, loves New York like, golf. Phil loves New York and New York loves Phil. And uh, hopefully we'll have him there at the end. But Matt, pony up. You got a few shekels to put down. Okay. Who do you like to win the 2018 U.S. Open from Shinnecock? The 118th play.
1: I got to pick one. I gotta one pick guy. One name. Pick your pony and. Uh, give me Jordan. I give me Jordan. Market, give me Jordan Spieth. You're taking Jordan. I'll take Jordan Spieth. Take
0: I'm gonna take Justin Rose. If okay, either like that. Uh, if your Dustin Johnson
1: stats scared me away, for, I was would have gone with DJ, but the whole he never won before. And we don't want to pick a favorite. We don't want to pick a favorite. So yeah, I'll only pick Jordan Spieth. That's that. That's you're that. taking
0: you're taking Jordan. I'm taking. We don't uh, want to pick I'm a favorite. Taking,
1: so Joe's gonna take the guy who has the second best. I'm
0: gonna take some gold medalist, and you could take the uh, 25 or, or 24, 25 year old, year old four time major champion.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Work, works, for works for me. Works for me. I just you know a couple t- a couple of guys just chasing the pack.
0: Either uh, if either of our players win, it's a dozen of Pro V ones from the other. Uh, I like other. that. I like that. You like that? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. It's a it's a gentleman's bet with Pro V ones involved. Handshake.
1: Um, I'm an
0: X guy, so Pro V one X
1: is okay. I can go if, either uh, way. If, uh, if I like both. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not picky. You, you can pick out the uh, Pro V one, Pro V one X. I can go either way.
0: Sounds good. It's a bet, Matt. Uh, it should be a fun watch. It will be on Fox this weekend. We will have the broadcast Which- booth of
1: June. Joe I'm not Buck sure how it. you feel about it. I, I love, think Fox I, does a great job with it. I, I, that's maybe a hot year take.
0: One, year one, they fell flat on the Year I one was that tough. Was, and that, that was largely that was largely because of the, um, I don't know what, how you want to put it. But that the, was Chambers the, Bay, just, right? That was Chambers Bay, and it was Greg Norman. I put that all yeah. on Greg Norman. Joe Buck was figuring some things out, I think, too, but I really enjoyed the Buck-Azinger booth, and I think we will again.
1: I will also say, I think part of that had to do with how much people didn't like Chambers Bay, how much the players didn't like Chambers mm-hmm. Bay. I think that whole tournament just had a little bit of a bad vibe about Chambers Bay. Shout out, that's where uh, Brian Rooney got his first career hole-in-one. Um, yeah, we know. I know. I, I like I like giving the kids <laughs> some credit. He had a hole-in-one. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I, I th- that... I feel like that course throughout the weekend even just left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And while the broadcast wasn't great itself, I think it was not doomed, but it was starting from behind the eight ball. I think yeah, last year, like you said, I thought bumpy the, lies yeah, and all that. I yeah. thought last year they're fantastic. I thought Buck was really good last year. I, I love they pretty much started the whole we're just gonna pro tracer every shot, which I think is fantastic and how golf should be broadcast. And I, I, I like Joe Buck. That's a hot take. Not a lot of people like Joe Buck. I'm a, I'm a Joe Buck guy.
0: I have, Buck has grown on me in the past. His, his deadpan reaction to the White Sox World Series in 05 did not sit well with me for it a It didn't either, years, but, but he, they won the has, World Series.
1: I don't care. He has,
0: since, uh, he has since earned himself back into my good graces.
1: <laughs> That's all I got. That's, That's, all, I got? That's all, all I got. That's all I got. And scene. And
0: right there, end it. Uh, Matt. why don't we, before, we're going to do an extended uh, segment here at the end. We're going to do a bunch of mailbag, bunch of buy or sell. But before we do that, how about we jump into a grievance? Do it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're gonna hear about you can't handle the truth boy have you lost your mind because i'll help you find it i feel like i'm taking crazy pills i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul all right matt my grievance once again and i know i've on it before but it's in the world of boxing and i know this is a little bit off the beaten path but it was announced earlier this week by his camp that uh, American heavyweight Anthony Joshua has accepted the ter- or pardon me American heavyweight Deontay Wilder has accepted Anthony Joshua's terms for a mega fight. What will be-, be billed as one of the fights of the century, two of the greatest heavyweights that the that the fight game has seen. Uh, both guys undefeated. Deontay Wilder, a knockout artist. This thing could be blown up into a fight that will reignite interest into the world of boxing. But again, they're getting caught up in red tape. Uh, Anthony Joshua's camp is not responding to reporters, is not responding to, to Deontay Wilder's camp. Wilder has agreed to fight overseas, it essentially being a home game. He wants to go over there and take the belts from Joshua. You could do... Uh, one of those Showtime lead-ups into this, or whoever's going to have it, an HBO lead-up into this. It would be amazing stuff for sports fans everywhere, for casual fight fans. Like I said, it could really reignite and reinterest fans into the world of boxing, and they're just getting caught up in the red tape of boxing once again. I believe uh, it's the Hearn camp that, uh, that runs Anthony Joshua's uh, camp over there, and they are, uh, they're creating more issues. They're now saying that they want a different location um, still in the UK. But uh, it's just unfortunate. And I, I really think that this is a sport that there's going to be a demand for. And, and, and I know that doesn't sound right because as other sports become a little bit uh, softened, and not to say that, that football is a non-contact sport, but you've taken the edge off of a lot of things in football, even in other sports, uh, fight fans and fans who still have that aggression within are going to look for somewhere to go. And if you have a heavyweight fight between two undefeated champions, it is something that the entire world is going to be interested in. And that's where boxing falls short is in the lack of the understanding of the fan and the lack of the ability to reach out to casual fans and fans they have not yet ignited and this is an opportunity for them to do that and i think that they're again again going to fail in that in that vein the the fight was supposed to happen in september now they're talking about october november because there's another fight but we we talked about it a couple months ago on the pod how many great fights the triple g canelo fight that obviously got rescheduled that one's going to be in september but all of these great fights you had the interest in in mayweather uh mayweather mcgregor and no one capitalized after that it feels like boxing is just a collection of moments and no longer a sport and it's because of the way they're doing things
1: yeah no i you said that really well and i we've we've said it a bunch on this podcast i don't i don't think there's a cooler event feel like than a big fight feel as much as i don't regularly pay attention to boxing i'd like to i just think they don't do a great job of marketing kind of their boxers and kind of promoting their fights the way they should like i love getting up for big fights i love buying the big fight watching it and and doing Mm -hmm. they're just they aren't they don't have those options that much anymore, especially in the heavyweight division. I think you'd rather always see kind of those heavyweights go at it just because you know heavyweights, they're heavyweights. Um, and when,
0: when the sport was greatest, at its yeah, peak, it was, it was a heavyweight
1: sport. Don't get me wrong. I got, these I got no problem with watching Mayweather and McGregor, too, you know, not that McGregor's an elite middleweight, but when you have yeah, those, fights, you go into
0: those fights. Yeah, but you go into those fights knowing there's likely not going to be a knockout. Yeah. We're probably going to go to a decision and watch these guys tap each other on the chin all day.
1: I, and I guess... I, I lost my train of th- thought now, well, Joey. No, yeah, 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 Deontay nice. Wilders,
0: Deontay Wilders, going to throw overhand rights that could stop a Mack truck, and Anthony Joshua going to be able to wear those punches. It's going to
1: be a lot of fun, and it's going to be. It just it seems like time. you can't have one of these super fights, these big fights in boxing, without one of these hiccups. Without, without, a without bunch hiccups, of BS. always happen. Like we were supposed to see Triple G and Canelo, you know, two over the summer. I might have already uh, like early this summer. Whatever well, might have already supposed Canelo, to happen, but again, it's Canelo the,
0: tested positive I, for a yeah, but but stuff now that he claimed was in his like food and yeah, like well maybe well, he,
1: he ate bad Mexican beef, Joe. We, we all do it. That's that's uh, what it <laughs> was. <laughs> but like even now where you know they're they're trying to set it up, and I'm seeing you know Canelo's made his final offer to Triple G, and it's a fifty-seven and a half, forty-two and a half split. Like it's all this. You guys are both going to get paid a hell of a lot of money. Just figure. I I, I don't know why there's always got to be this huge. Rift and, oh, will this big fight happen? Can they do it? Like, no, you guys are the two best. Just go fight each other. Like, figure out the money and go fight each other. There always seems to be these tie-ups, and I know it's complicated. I know it's a business, but at the same time, it just comes off as a little bit petty and a little bit like, you guys are a little bit too extra. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but that's coming from a boxing outsider. Some guy's not a big fan. I'm I mean, a very casual boxing fan, <laughs> but like that, to me, like, you never see these issue with, Uf- with the UFC. You never see them having a problem. I know it's you know they're all under contract with the UFC, whereas boxers are kind of individual entities under you know contract with promotional companies. But like the UFC doesn't have problems putting these big fights together. They, they don't have any of the big names anymore, but they're doing a great job promoting these guys and getting these guys back elevated to where UFC 225 is a big event without Conor McGregor in it, without their biggest name. Yeah. And boxing yeah. doesn't do that for me. It doesn't do that for anybody anymore.
0: Well, whenever it is, they'll get my $100, and we'll watch these oh, two I'll guys slug it. it out. I just hope it's sooner rather than later.
1: Agreed. Let's let your segments
0: matter. You want to jump into some buy or sell, or you want to do mailbag?
1: Let's do. Uh, let's go buy or sell first. All right. Buy or
0: sell, and I'm going to start us off here with a curveball on you. And oh. I know uh, it needed to be touched upon, and we didn't earlier, but buy or sell, LeBroom's broken, broken hand. Or LeBron, pardon me. LeBrun. LeBroom?
1: LeBroom. Oh I, like oh, I like that. Oh, I thought you said Lebron, like Lebron with my name. Okay. Oh, I like that yeah. too.
0: But Lebrun because he got swept. But uh, buy yeah. or sell
1: Lebron's broken hand. I'm going to sell that very, very hard. I don't um, buy it. I don't buy it at all. He was da- after that press game, or after they they those games. He was like dapping up with that hand with people. There's a video of him doing push-ups on the floor during Game Two. Shout out to longtime I, listener uh, TJR for sending that one our way. I don't. Yeah, that wasn't. I, I don't. I don't buy it. I just. I. The, he yeah. all of a sudden shows up with a cast on. It's a very convenient. This is what bothers me about LeBron is like, he was winning a lot of people over. He had, was, dar- honestly, he was starting to win me over a little bit. I wasn't rooting for the Cavs, but it got to the point where like, I didn't absolutely felt like, hate LeBron him. who he was. I kind of felt for him a little bit. And then he goes out and pull this stunt like, oh yeah, you know, my hand was broken. Like, no dude, we know your team sucked. It's okay. We were all saying you had the greatest playoffs of all time. And now you go and try and pull this stunt like this and finally wear a cast. Like, you didn't want the Warriors. What are, they, what are the Warriors going to do to your right hand? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I, that I, just, I, it, it rubbed me the wrong way, and it seemed like LeBron was finally growing up and finally maturing, just reverted back to his old self. I I really
0: agree with you there, and the thing that bothers me is I don't care if he broke his hand or not. If he broke his hand, good on him for going through it, staying out there for his team. The thing that bothers me, like you said, is the fact that, all series, nothing on the hand, and he has to come out in his final press conference. He's itching his nose with it and smiling after. Yeah, he's 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 making every effort
1: he can to make sure you see that he's got a cast on.
0: If you hit it for this long, continue to hide it. The story will leak in the middle of the summer. It'll get you back in the headlines. And then you can say, I really didn't think it was important. It was self-inflicted, this and that. It didn't have to be done the way it was done. And I think it's again shows just... Immaturity. Like you said, the immaturity and the fact that in a lot of ways he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't understand how he's perceived by the general public and how he's perceived by sports fans who he like you said, who he may have won back in the last year or two. I think a lot of people were off put by that again. It was it was the most LeBron thing it's that like, he could have done.
1: It's almost like he He's still, I or, think, I think his career goal, he's even hinted at it in the media here, here time to time. Like, he's made no secret. He wants to be seen as the best ever player. And he wants to be, now I'm not trying to drag up a LeBron MJ thing. That's not what I'm doing. You never be like But that's exactly right. He in his own head, I think, saw like, oh, you know, I'm going to get swept. You know what I need to do? I need to come up with an excuse as to why I can't get swept. I can't just, I, I can't. Have had you know maybe the greatest playoffs of all time. and got swept because then people hold that on me. But if I got swept with a broken hand for three games, then maybe you know people will see me like that. I actually think that's what goes through this guy's head, and it's it's beyond me. Like it's a debate that will never be settled. It's one that he's will be seen Uh, as I think a very. Whatever. I'm not, we're not largely, getting into it. We're not it was, getting. I
0: know, but I think it was largely settled this year. That's great. The amount of crying to the referees and this stunt. he But that's all I'm saying. He, after
1: he, he's a guy yeah. who needs to pull stunts, and I, I don't just go out there and play basketball, dude. You lost. You had an unbelievable playoffs, and literally no one's knocking or criticizing you. You were unbelievable. You're the only and reason you, your team was there. Just take it. You lost.
0: And if you really want that sympathy, or if you really want to be acknowledged for playing with a broken hand, go tell Brian Windhorst. On. No, 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 no. Put the cast on before game two on the off day. Be seen with the cast on then so people could say, LeBron, what happened to your hand? I punched a whiteboard. Then that becomes the storyline. Not only does that become the storyline, it takes the weight off of Jr. No one's talking about juniors mix-up for two days. They're talking about LeBron's broken hand. Is he going to be able to play? And then he he knows he's going to be able to play. So he comes out and he plays with his broken hand or his sprained hand, whatever it is. And there's your excuse for him not playing well if he doesn't play well. If he does play well... Oh my goodness! This is his flu game. He did it with a broken right go. hand. So it was completely mismanaged.
1: You know if he what? Wanted I wanted
0: to make if he wanted to make a scene about it, make a scene about it at the right time.
1: You know what I'm, I'm hearing from this is that LeBron needs to hire the Moose and Runes PR firm. Moose
0: and Runes PR firm.
1: We go. We're got on podca- we got podcasting I- and PR. That's what we do. We got I- we got
0: ideas to get you back in in a positive space. There you LeBron. go.
1: Let's let's get off right. the angry yelling at each other. <laughs> Hit me. Yelling at each other in agreement, which um, is weird. In agreement. Yeah. it's so the um, good. So, I I believe it was for the athletic today, Joe, but Jason Stark put out an article basically proposing uh, new expansion and realignment for Major League Baseball. He's got uh, expansion teams in Portland and Charlotte, and then he is dividing baseball into eight divisions of four teams. That gets us, I believe that's 32, right? That's math. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he proposes also 16 team playoffs. So, basically, it'd be a short and regular season, I believe, and then you'd have an expanded type playoffs. You got Universal DH. Joe, do you, like some, uh, do, do you think baseball needs a little bit of a shakeup? Do you need, think we need a little bit of an expansion, a universal DH? So, well, those, playoff, are two those are two
0: different, questions. Okay, well, those are two different if I, questions. Why don't you
1: take me through the bullet points? Buy or sell each of the bullet points I gave you. <laughs> Do
0: I think buy or sell them needing a shakeup up to change go. things? I will buy that. Okay. Buy or sell an expansion being the answer? I will sell that. I think that in most sports right now, oversaturation is an issue. There obviously, you want these cities to have their teams, but what good is it if their teams are trash? Mm-hmm. I don't need forty bad ba- I don't need forty baseball teams thirty five of them being trash. You know there are only so many men, and there are only so many individuals in the world that can throw a baseball ninety miles an hour with movement. There are mm-hmm. only so many guys who can hit a baseball four hundred and fifty feet. We need to dial it back, and I know it'll never happen, but I think these leagues need to lose a handful of teams, especially yeah. the NBA. I think that they, <laughs> That's I think, one. but if we're going to keep this baseball, expansion is not the answer pace of play. And I know they've tried to do things to um, reignite the young fan. And this is not one of those things. We don't need more baseball. We need a shortened schedule. We need a tighter wound baseball. We need dh in the in the national League we need certain things to make this game higher scoring to make it interesting to make it move faster changing up the alignment of teams adding teams expanding the league expanding the playoffs expanding the amount of time that we have to sit there and watch this game is not the answer
1: i I agree with you too for most that I don't think baseball needs to add more teams I'm not totally opposed to the idea of realignment because I think
0: yeah but what is that what is that it just all that does is it it forces teams to. I, I don't. I, have, I, I'm saying I'm talking teams about to find new to find new rivals. But does it because Black I'm Hawks talking about actually.
1: when you have realignment? I'm, I'm talking about in terms of realignment that's moving a lot of these teams that are like I I, I don't need necessarily an AL and an NL as much anymore. But I, I'm talking about more like realigning these teams so we have a lot of these more regional, like the Cubs and Sox they could be in the same division. You could have Yankees and Mets competing in the same division. So you can keep yeah, some of these rivalries we have. And then take some of the I'm natural say, geographic ones and away, put those in a division.
0: Don't take away Yankees, Red Sox. Don't screw I'm with not things saying, like that. I'm not Linden. saying do that,
1: but like the, the I, White side, so- I don't need to see. I think you
0: fix a problem, and you create another.
1: I I, I I can see where you're coming from, but at the same, I think there's a way to get these regional rivalries to not re, uh, these same city rivalries type things to to mean something again more than just you know glorified. I don't want to say exhibition games because they do count, but. They're interleague play games with kind of nothing on the line, but, you know, I guess bragging rights and really more so bragging rights for fans. Um, and I also think a a playoff expansion might be the way you can get owners to be okay with shortening the season at least a little bit, because while not everybody's going to make the playoffs, if I have a better chance at playoff money and playoff revenue, playoff gate, all that kind of stuff, I think you might see owners go, like, okay, you know, I'll sacrifice 10 games at the end of the regular season if it means I might have a chance at, you know, five or six playoff games at home. And also, I think it also it's even added added extra incentive for you to put together a playoff team and not tank.
0: I think it, it sounds like a uh, a league that's that's going to try and run in place here for a while. It doesn't feel like an answer. It doesn't feel like progress in the direction that they need to go. It feels like they're running in a place. In place.
1: Well, we can at least agree on the DH. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: All right, hit Thank me with Something. All right, Matt, uh,
0: buy or sell. The Bears have a better outlook for 2018 than the 49ers. And I know this is a very specific question. Well, because you're out there talking. covering
1: 49ers. I'm exactly. out here with we're the right. Bears. Not I'm covering the them, 49ers. but I like them. I've been
0: assigned to the 49ers beat uh, this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. I was out at minicamp yesterday watching Jimmy Garoppolo sling the ball around in some Jordan Concord 11s. Our like camp camp practices
1: fun to watch? They are. Because there, cause I know you've been – you're probably your fair share now when I – probably with Nebraska and now with the Niners. You'd be, I, I, we did Bears camp a couple years ago when I was working in radio. Those are a lot of fun to watch, especially when you have the media pass so you can get inside the ropes. But those things yeah. – th- those are so much fun to watch. And, like Having been like football players at a higher level, like kind of seeing what they do and how similar like drills and, and stuff like, oh, we actually did those exact same – like it's, it's cool to see pros kind of going through those those same things I feel like.
0: Yeah. There's uh zero wasted time in a professional practice. <laughs> guys correct. are always
1: moving around.
0: Guys are flying around and to watch them, even when they're going like, you know, everybody stay on your feet and running drills, but they're still getting into each other. Offensive mm-hmm. linemen are still getting their hands up in the neck around those D linemen. Wide receivers are still snapping off routes on DBs. Quarterbacks are obviously untouchable, but guys are flying by their, by the quarterbacks on free runs. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. But, Matt, back I to the was gonna get, I, yourself, I was just going to get – I was going to reel back in. We'll, um, we'll do a little Chicago comparison. By yourself, the Garoppolos have – or the Bears have a better season. The Trubisky's have a better season than the Garoppolos.
1: I think for this season, I think the Garoppolos might be in a little better shape uh, simply mm-hmm. because I, the Seahawks, you have no idea what they are. Um, the, for the Cardinals, the new head coach, rookie quarterback, you, you really don't know what they are as well. Um, I, I think the Niners finished the year on fire. I think they've made some some nice additions around Jimmy Garoppolo and defensively. Um, the, the Bears are still in a very tough division. I know Minnesota only got better. I know you're not totally sold on the Packers, but Aaron Rodgers is a proven commodity as much as the team might around him might you know not be. And Detroit, while they're not great and they're probably not going to be a playoff team, they're also not going to be you know a three-win team. They, they've been a seven, eight, nine-win team. I feel like each of the last, you know, five, six years here. So there's not n- – none of those division games you look at, you can circle on the schedule like, yeah, that's one the Bears should take, that's one the Bears are going to get. Whereas I think they're going to be more competitive, and I think maybe for the long haul they might be in, in a better situation with their head coach. With I'm not going to say Jimmy's – or uh, Trubisky's better than Jimmy, but I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. I think they're young, but I still think they, they need a year or two to kind of get where they need to go and maybe add a couple more pieces via the draft uh, next year and the year after.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think they're going to be two very similar teams, two teams that are taking steps in the right direction this season. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what the 49ers can do on the defensive side of the ball in terms of their pass rush. They have a lot of guys in Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, uh, guys that there are high expectations of, but they maybe haven't seen the
1: uh, – they have the a lot of guys who are still waiting to, to prove it. They're, they've got guys it's who are going to be like those two names you mentioned. They're bigger names who are higher draft picks, but they haven't really
0: They have like
1: they've shown flashes, but haven't gotten to where they need them to they've get. They've
0: shown them. flashes. They have an unproven back end in their defensive secondary. And I think they're good at the linebacker level, especially with uh, Ruben Foster being pretty much free and clear here to, to play football yep. and focus on football at this point. It's one of the weirdest but, stories of all time. Yeah, that was odd. But um, at the same time, I think offensively they're going to be really fun to watch. you got a veteran and a left tackle in Joe Staley. On the right side, McGlinchey's going to work in, learn how to play that left tackle, kind of be the heir apparent to Staley. you got a quarterback who they just gave Scrooge McDuck money to, but still appears to be out there working, leading the guys who's vocally – the loudest guy on the field yesterday at practice, Jimmy Garoppolo, really out there taking on this leadership role. And he's got some weapons now in Pierre Garçon. Uh, they draft Pettis out of Washington. And that guy can there's some run. Other, there's some other targets out there. They're very deep at the tight end position, and they're very, very deep at uh, at the running back position. So they're going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: I think both of these teams are going to – I'm not sure either are going to make the playoffs. I think San Francisco probably has a better chance at it, but both – should give us some some fun moments, I feel like, to watch this year. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. Hit me. I'm going back to baseball here, Joe. i got a lot of baseball to talk about with you. Um, Love it. I'm, I'm, this is my way of incorporating the White Sox into a podcast because we, we yeah. have to do it. They're, they, they're playing pretty well. Say what you want about them. White that Sox are, are playing pretty well. James Shields is one of those White Sox who, after a rough start to the year, is actually pitching pretty darn well. He's been pretty consistent. He, he shut down the Indians last night. So I'm I'm going to propose to you another crosstown trade here, Joe. Does James Shields make sense to the Cubs as a a back of the end back of the rotation type starter with their injury uh, injury concerns? Tyler Chatwood walking literally everybody he faces, or is is this not a fit for the Cubs? I think James Shields is putting together some sort of a resume here where he might not not get you a ton back, but be a flippable asset at the deadline for Rick Hunt.
0: Yeah, I think that, like you said, if if you want to make a move and you want to flip them, the Cubs are definitely a, a worthy suitor because I don't think it's a matter of fit. I think it's a matter of having serviceable arms come playoff time. And like you said, he's a back-of-the-end guy. Would he be in a four-man rotation with the Cubs? No. Maybe not, but coming out in a long relief for, or coming out of the bullpen, you can transition him to that role. But in order to get to the playoffs, in order to have a chance to make another run, you do still need those arms. I think Shields would be a guy who can, uh, who can kind of fill that need.
1: Yeah, and I think what's key for them, too, is like their prospect system, much thanks to the White Sox. Um, is, is kind of yeah. drained at this point. They don't really have mm-hmm. – they, they have a couple names, but for the most part, they want to – Shout out to Eloy and Dylan Cease. So let's not forget him. He's got some nasty <laughs> stuff. You get the chance to watch him. Um, they're right. they they don't, they're not in a position to go out and get that – I'm not sure if there are many big names, but go out and get that big name if they don't want to sell off the main roster. And I think going out and adding an innings eater, a guy like James Shields, who is he great? No, but he's for the most part, no matter what, going to give you – six seven innings a start and keep your with, with that offense give you a chance to win a ball game and, and I think that's valuable come October and it's it, it's what's invaluable is a guy who's been there on October pitched in the big moments and knows what it's like to pitch down the stretch
0: yep so uh I guess I'd buy it
1: well, also short uh, vote vote Jose Abreu for the all-star team hashtag vote Abreu vote
0: hashtag I punched Jose and made him an all-star
1: there you go all right <laughs> what do you got for me <laughs> Or is that it? All right,
0: Matt. Uh, I got one more for oh, you. One, yeah. one more. It's, uh, it's, I love the bonus. It's, again, Le- LeBron-related. I know we've LeBron. been giving LeBron a lot of love, but uh, LeBron James. LeBron, by herself, LeBron James stays in the Eastern Conference. We'll obviously have plenty of talk on this uh, coming over the next month or so as free agency breaks into a fever pitch. But uh, do you see LeBron staying in the Eastern Conference? That yeah, being, um, uh I'm buying it. I, I got LeBron to Philly. The biggest LeBron to Philly. I got LeBron okay. to
1: Philly. It's, it's fairly similar. I'm not saying... I'd be surprised if he went out to the Lakers, the Rockets, whatever. LeBron to Philly makes the most sense. They have the money. It puts him in a spot where he said he doesn't want to always have to be the ball-dominant guy. They have a guy who can do that in Ben Simmons. If he goes to the Lakers, they're still not near, even if he brings a star with them, they're not as good as, as the Warriors. If he goes to the Rockets, the Rockets have to sacrifice a big piece. So I, I think LeBron in the East, keep away from Golden State except for the finals, to Philly makes the most sense to me. Or the Bulls. If he wants right. to to the Bulls, that's fine too.
0: Okay, Bulls or Philly? That's, yeah. we'll mark them down for that. It's did like a one A one B situation. Not again to get off track, but did you see Kobe came out and said he he wanted it, He requested a trade to Chicago in two thousand
1: seven. So that's actually uh, that's true. Um, those reports, I remember a while ago. Those reports, the report was Kobe wanted it. Was, it was contract dispute. All that uh, he wanted to the Bulls, and the Bulls were offering Luol Deng. It was, it was basically a trade center around Dang and Gordon, and they didn't want to give up both. God. So. God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's, uh, How, that was a thing. Take, yeah. What's so, it going to take to get these two guys out of the office? I don't know. It was Kobe Bryant. I could have had a yeah. Kobe Bulls jersey, Joe. What are you going to do?
0: What are you gonna do? <laughs> Matt, uh, do you have any more buy or sells? Should we jump into this
1: mailbag? I do. I want. I wanted to briefly. We got. We got to talk a little bit of soccer, Joe. The World Cup starting here. Um, so this morning, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico won the 2026 World Cup in a joint bid for World Cup okay. North America. Joe, are you buying or selling the three country setup?
0: Um, I, I'm gonna reserve my buy or sell on this classic, one because classic. I think it really Can't depends pick sides. on. I think it really depends on how you do it. Obviously, I'd love to have um, a bunch of United States cities host uh, host the World Cup. They're probably going to get the opportunity to. We'll have a couple up north, a couple down south. But I think the first thing my mind went to was the players here and the travel. Pool play needs to be kept within one country. You can't have these guys traveling on a week's basis from L.A. to Vancouver vancouver down to i don't know what a, a, a
1: san diego south america just, is it just north america it's no it's south america uh, it's just north so it's just u.s it's mexico north, canada north america yeah
0: okay so you can't have them traveling up and down the west coast from la to vancouver vancouver down to uh, cabo or mexico city wherever they're gonna play it cabo mexico city more, there's more stadiums in cabo joe <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of a West Coast city. Puerto Vallarta, you there you know, go. That's, that's maybe where they're holding it. Uh, no, I think they need to get the travel right, and that seems like something that uh, the World Soccer Federation, whoever's in charge of this, FIFA, whoever's in charge of it, might screw up. So I'm going to reserve my buy or sell on this.
1: That's fair. I think it's a cool idea, but that's that's probably – I was originally going to buy, but I think your argument has probably swayed me because FIFA's not hasn't always been the most uh, – yeah, reliable organization flying, in the world, and flying
0: into, from Philly to Seattle to Vancouver. I think they more care about yeah. who can
1: line their pockets best than uh, player travel in a given. Always week. important. Yeah, always important.
0: Matt, uh, why don't we jump into this mailbag? What do you say?
1: Okay, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll open it up. The first one, um, given these two championships here, we, we, we have one you know dynasty type championship with the Warriors. We have a first timer. So, Joe, would you rather be the a, a Role player, uh, Sean Livingston type, where, you know, you're you're by no means a star. You're just kind of coming off the bench doing your thing, winning four titles for a dynasty. Or would you rather be the, the captain, the best player on a team that kind of finally climbs the mountain and wins that one title and kind of has that glorious moment? So are you taking the four titles in the lower role, or are you taking the one and you are the guy? It's, it's your role. It's your thing. Right?
0: Uh, I need to... I need to have you assign sports here because it all depends what sports. Let's, let's, keep, let's, hey,
1: let's, let's, keep the, let's keep the sports where they are. How about that? Let's say basketball. So you're and saying
0: basketball and hockey. I think I'm going to be the role player on the basketball team. Get out of here. Um, it's guaranteed money. You're as a role player in the NBA, you're probably making similar money as the top players in the NHL. If we compared Sean Livingston's contract to Alexander Ovechkin's contract, it uh, might not be too big of a, uh, of a disparity in pay there. Obviously an amazing moment for Alexander Ovechkin, but you do have to go through all of that turmoil. You do have to feel like you have a cup in your hands and lose it. You do have to choke in the first round multiple times. Whereas Sean Livingston comes off the bench for 12 minutes, gives great minutes, plays really strong basketball, will always be regarded as a part of these championship teams. And having pitched in and Made a difference. You don't have to be now. If you're asking me if I want to be Kevin Durant or Sean Livingston, Kevin Durant. But uh, with these two sports, with these two sports being the examples, I'm going to go with role player for the Golden State Warriors. See those rings.
1: Of course, you went with the financially secure, smart way to go about it. Stupid. Uh Um, I will take the Stanley Cup ten times out of ten. Eleven times out of ten. You'd rather be. Give me the Stanley Cup. a hundred percent, a million times every day of the week, and twice on Sunday. Give me there. First off, there's no better no, trophy. No, you don't get it twice on
0: Sundays. You don't get it a hundred times. You <laughs> Par- get it once. Apparently, Alex apparently, Alex Apparently, Alex Oveskin Apparently,
1: Alex Ovechkin does because I don't think he's relinquished that cup since they won it on Thursday. I think he's had it for just about the last what's it six days now.
0: I don't okay, think he's let
1: go of it. Um, let's advance the story here, Matt. There's no way the Capitals make the
0: playoffs next year, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be hungover all season. There's
0: no way. Yeah.
1: Either way, I, I can see your argument and all that. And I know Sean Livingston, I actually looked it up. He's only making like a million dollars less a season than Alex Ovechkin, which yeah, is kind of so sad. On. But at the same time, Alex Ovechkin's not, uh, not not hurting for money. He's also probably got a, a bunch of endorsements, especially Russian endorsements. I and don't I know what those are worth, but probably a lot.
0: We don't want to be on any uh, on any Kremlin watch lists here on the podcast. We love the Russians, but I but I hear that uh, there's stories, and this is uh, via the Spitten Chicklets podcast on Barstool. There's great hockey podcast
1: if you're looking for one, By the way,
0: no free that ads. These these Russian players are given credit cards by the Russian government to just like ball out like unlimited credit cards where they can like go out and take the team out and celebrate and that would be do the least they please be the least shocking thing i feel like
1: ever yeah, i think so. that wouldn't surprise me at all but yeah the the, the the cup trophy celebration all that to be a part of that i feel like i'd have to go with the one not that i would bat an eyelash at the four i'd happily take the four parades in my four rings or whatever it is now for him but give, give me the one where i'm the guy Career earnings,
0: Sean Livingston. Give me
1: a ballpark because I'm looking at it right now. Take your uh, guess. He just signed a, he, his contract. Now is three years, twenty three. Um, I don't know. He's probably got to be close to sixty, seventy million dollars.
0: Ooh, right there, sixty four million eight hundred fifty six thousand eight hundred and forty three dollars. Career earnings. How many cents? And we are uh, there doesn't have cents here oh. on Sports Track, oh, um, and we are going to look at the career earnings of Alex Ovechkin. Well, Ovechkin. Yeah, he's, 113, 220 and uh that's that, that's obviously a yeah. good change. Yeah, but in your face. um but to go through the turmoil and to look like Ovechkin, that's uh that's another
1: uh, you know another he's, conversation. He's, married, for another he's another like day. married to a supermodel, so I don't <laughs> care I know. what I look like if, God, if that's the case there, Joe. God <laughs> bless, congratulations to all on their success. <laughs> Congrats to both of these teams, all right? <laughs>
0: both of these men. All right, Matt, you got uh, got any more mailbag? I stuff? do,
1: I, I got I got another one. With uh with Baseball season now in full swing, Joe. Uh, what, what's the better with a better sports weather for you? Do, you? do you prefer a nice, warm, sunny day out in the sun Ooh. in a baseball stadium with a beer in hand, watching Madison okay, Bumgarner and Clayton Kershaw? It's a, it's a spectator, not covering. Okay. Clayton Kershaw and Madison Bumgarner go at it, or do you want to be, you know, at Notre Dame, USC on a Saturday afternoon watching watching the Irish in you know fifty five sixty degree weather with a you know a jeans quarter zip at a tailgate?
0: give me that give me that 55 and breezy any day of the week give me football weather uh you know as as career sweaters as mm, you yeah. Are, oh, yeah you know you get that lather sweaty going yeah seventh inning rolls around hey should we go out to left field and dunk tank ourselves you remember <laughs> that thing that they used to have at comiskey the the pull where you'd pull the thing and oh, yeah. shower you oh out? yeah never yeah, did that it that was yeah uh, oh i did it i did it sweaty husky 12 year old joe did that multiple times joe is husky. So. uh Joe was husky. And I would love. Like can grade. I see a
1: picture of husky? I'd love. I'll, I'll, yeah. We'll, well, Next time I get my we'll hair cut well. by next time your mother cuts my yes. hair, I'll ask her to bring a yes. picture of husky Joe. There's a
0: there's a there's obviously pictures of me throughout the childhood as husky Joe, but I was a very fat baby as well. There's oh. a picture of me on a couch, and the couch is covered in pillows. And if you look at the picture quickly, it I look like a I look like one of the pillows because hmm. I'm wearing like a patterned shirt too. So yeah, husky Joe. Uh, from birth to about seventh grade, we were we were shopping in the husky department at Gap for our school clothes. That's definitely that's definitely a thing there. This I, is uh, I have a confession, confession, too as well, confession too. This is confession
1: hour on Moose and mm-hmm. Moose's podcast. I was also a that? husky child. Oh, Where are you at? Yeah, and by child, I mean into adulthood as well. <laughs> you um, know, you're just you're just a man child. That's just all. yeah. Th- th- thank you. That's nice. I was able to grow a beard by like freshman year of high school, so it's fine. Okay. So silver linings always. Silver I think linings. I'm actually going to go the other way here. Okay. with because with, with, uh, I'm taking it all into account I, I do prefer the big man weather the, the the fall weather the football weather to the summer weather but like if you get me on like a, a, like a baseball game where it's like you know 75 and sunny I'm kind of kicking back just kind of relaxing watching one of those pitching matchups I feel like I'm more on my element there whereas on a football Saturday don't get me wrong I'm, I'm gonna tune in and I'm gonna watch every second of that Notre Dame USC game but I like mm-hmm. on those college football Saturdays being on a couch around three TVs with a couple different setups you know what I mean that, that, that yeah, for me, like, baseball, I, I'm much more like, I can kind of go to the game, I can z- not zone out, but kind of like be in and out of it a little bit, pay attention to what's going on, whereas like, you know, football, I feel like you got to be in it, and there's so much more going on other than that game that I want to be aware of and pay attention to that I feel like at the baseball game, probably just a little bit more relaxed, plus I can get a, you know, they, they don't sell beer at the at Notre Dame Stadium, Joe.
0: Mm-hmm. And th- th- that's also an issue, not only um, in terms of the consumption, but... My general demeanor at football games, especially if it's a Notre Dame game or a Bear game, is a little bit more on edge. I'm on edge. I'm nervous. It is, I'm, it nervous. is yeah, I'm nervous every single snap. So uh, that that is a credit to your uh, your side of the argument there as well.
1: But it's either Matt, way. I can't go wrong with either one. I'll take either one no, happily.
0: Never, never, Matt. I got one last mailbag for us here. Oh, um, just came down. We surprising got surprising uh, bonus mailbag. We're bonus mailbag. We're going to take it back to the NBA, Matt. You are. Uh, your own entity, your own team. NBA does not oh, expansion. The sh- the Chicago Matt
1: Rooney's come into existence. It's exactly you what have, I name my team.
0: You have the first overall pick in the 2018 draft, so you're obviously going best available. You're building your team around this guy. Who are you taking this season in the draft?
1: If I'm building my team and kind of starting from scratch, I mm-hmm. think I'm going with Luka Doncic. Okay. Because I think the NBA is as much as big men are important – and valuable in putting a team together and kind of finishing guard the play. product. I think guard play, would it, yeah. guard play for ball dominant play, is what wins yeah. you games. And having those elite ball dominant players is what gets you, you know, kind of where you need to go. And as good as DeAndre is going to be, a there's still some concern defensively. As good as he is offensively, you have an easier time, I feel like, adding complementary big man pieces than you do finding mm-hmm. that elite ball dominant guard. And with what he yeah. does at his size, I believe he's what like six 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 seven. So he's a bigger guard which I think mm-hmm. is even more important in today's NBA. You can do it all. I think I'm going – the Chicago Matt Rooney's Select, uh, the Chicago uh, Matt Rooney Luka, select. Doncic Luka Doncic to, to, to don the the fabled Garfield logo. The Garfield. TM. 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 Copyright
0: pending. Copyright pending. We'll uh, this is a This is obviously a big conversation. Of course, with you guys. yeah, Because sec- you're – Sacramento. You'll
1: I mean, get one of the two the if second, you want them.
0: Kings having the second overall pick and uh, – they just worked out Marvin Bagley on Monday. I was at Bagley's workout and kid looks fantastic, six ten, six eleven. Uh the jump shot is pretty smooth already. It can get better. It will get better. They can put a little weight on him, but he's got that seven foot wingspan. He's kind mm-hmm. of your unicorn type near seven footer. Um can get to the rack, but one thing that was glaring, 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 and I read this prior to going to the workout, so I was kind of keeping an eye on it. Doing your research the right, smart the the right hand is underdeveloped. The right hand needs a lot of work. Uh, We got the tail end of the workout. We got about 20 minutes to watch the workout, shoot the workout, uh, the media did. And he struggled with the right hand down even in the post, just kind of, and it's not like a a dribbling issue, but finishing with the right is an issue. And um, that's something that uh, is going to take a lot of work to, to bring in. And he's another guy who who has defensive issues. Apparently he he's one of the reasons that Duke went to the two three because they just didn't have the guys to play man to man defense last year. And uh, there's a liability in that sense. But um, yeah, uh, the Kings fans out here are daily vacillating between the ideas of uh, Doncic, Ayton. Marvin Bagley, and there have been some lunatics to say take a flyer on Michael Porter, but I think that's a huge, huge risk reward. Prior to his back injury, that's probably the best player coming to this draft, a shoe-in number one, as he was talked about a year ago. But uh, definitely, you're you're trying to bring in a commodity here with the least risk, and not only the least risk, but the highest upside. So I think that mixture of things leads you to... Depending what you need, but an eight and Doncic at one two, despite how these rankings have changed over the last two weeks.
1: So vocab- vocabulary question: uh, We haven't done bas- this. vacillating. Bas- 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 we haven't done this in a while. Uh, but I, that, y- you lost to- me.
0: To shift regularly from place to place, either in thought or in or in physical presence, using using context
1: clues regularly, I kind of figured that's what it meant. But I just wanted to make sure. I caught the drift. Uh, Any inkling which way the Kings might be? Now, obviously, it's not their choice, but leaning which guy they might uh, be a little bit more hopeful.
0: Here's a little insider, uh, a little oh, insider oh. information. Sunday night uh, had some family in town. Sister and fiance, her fiance, were in town. We had a great time. Went out to dinner uh, at Echo and Fig, which is the new steakhouse across the street from the Golden One Center. That's where you're gonna take and- me when I come visit. If you'd like to go there, I got a couple spots in mind, but, okay. uh, we went to, we went to this steakhouse and it's in the first level of the hotel. That's right there. The Kimpton Sawyer, new hip hotel, got restaurants, got clubs upstairs, got this and that. And, uh, we go to it's the steakhouse hot spot and standing, uh, it is very much. And standing outside of it is Vivek Renadev, the owner. Vladi uh, Divac, the GM Peja Soyakovich, the assistant GM And a couple other members of the front office And they were meeting on Sunday night at, Until at least 9pm uh, The night before a Marvin Bagley workout And whether that's just them doing their due, due diligence I know that they've traveled to Spain Now twice to visit with Luka Doncic Both after his Euroleague Championship and once after that And uh, I don't know what sort of due diligence they've done on Aiton, but if Aiton falls to two, I think that's who you take. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what you need as a team. Uh, The Sacramento Kings, uh, they're they're guard heavy, especially with Iman Schumper just opting in for his $11 million player option last week. Gross. You're super guard heavy, and like we said, you never have too many guards in the NBA, but Doncic just adds to that uh, backcourt where you have guys like Buddy Heald, you have guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich, you have uh, you have De'Aaron Fox running the point. So you got a lot of guards. I think it might uh, create a little bit of a bottleneck there, and you get rid of lesser known guys like Scalabecier, and it maybe puts Harry Giles's job in uh, in jeopardy. But that uh, that would also happen with these big guys because Harry Giles is kind of that tweener. Not to get too into the Sacramento
1: no. situation, that's right. I think
0: that that's, that's your beat two,
1: right now. You got to get you can get into it.
0: At number two, if uh, if Ayton is available, you go Aiton. If not, you have to make a decision between Doncic and Bagley, and I think that they ultimately go with Doncic. That's
1: that's an interesting... I, I think they probably do the same. I wouldn't be shocked to see them... Uh, you're much much closer to the team than I am. If Ayton goes number one to see them maybe trade down two or three picks, see if they can add a couple yeah. assets, which and then the- maybe hope Bagley or a Wendell Carter falls to them there.
0: Yeah, which in the NBA is... Such a bold strategy it is.
1: But if you're not in love with a guy, you, you think you got what you need, or something. Yeah. What you need is elsewhere. But
0: maximizing picks. The only thing is you can you can change the direction of a franchise with the second overall pick if you make the right decision. Um, you can't with a, a seventh and a twelfth. Uh, you know,
1: Steph went seven in the depth of this. Uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> I know that's <laughs> catching a fly. I'm more hinting see. that because the Bulls are picking seven and the Bulls are yeah. back, so. Who who do the Bulls take, Matt? MPJ. I I am I I'm I'm on the more high ceiling, uh, yeah, high, high ceiling low floor kind of guy. Go if 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 him or Trey Young falls there, I think you got to go try and. The Bulls have taken enough of these middle tier, like well, he's not, he might not be great, but he's not going to suck type deals. Yeah, and they've, I quote unquote, hit on those guys. I guess a lot of those guys haven't been awful but they also have been great the bulls need a game changer they need to take a chance on the game changer but we're gonna have hopefully someone like you said earlier in the podcast talk a little bit more more educatedly than we can about that next week and mark chanowski hopefully we can get him to come on and uh clear up some of that for us
0: yep absolutely that's something to look forward to matt always look forward to getting on the pod here we are in the 60s now our Old Age, podcast number 60 in the books. Thank you, as always, Moose and Runes listeners, for tuning in. Matt, why don't you shut us down? Shut
1: it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down! Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Okay, I'm going to shut th- shut things down. I'm going to talk about a couple uh, AL Central first basemen if that's okay with you, Joe. First have off, I, I'm going to start on the, the negative note, the downside of things. Um, not 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 a not a career ending thing by any means, but Miguel Cabrera. Not sure if you uh, you saw tore the biceps uh, attendance, mm-hmm. so he's going to be out for the year. He's thirty five years old. He's actually after, after having an awful year last year, having a, a pretty nice bounce back year with the Tigers. Um, and, and it's never fun to see a, a guy towards the end of his career, towards the twilight of his career, have a uh, a, a significant injury like that. What kind of makes you think mm-hmm. is he ever going to be himself again? And M- Miguel Cabrera is of my generation. I. It might be better. the best hitter I've ever seen. Uh, I know Ken yeah. Griffey Jr. is right up there, and those guys from the '90s. But I mean, that wasn't really. That was more kind of before our time. when We were regularly watching baseball, paying attention as much as we are. Miguel Cabrera might be the best hitter I, th- I think I've ever seen personally, and it, 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 with it all of the
0: expectation in the world's on his shoulders. Yeah, too, exactly. With,
1: with the Marlins, he was the you know the next big thing, and performed in the playoffs. Shout out 2003 NLCS. Mm-hmm. Um, when he got traded to the Tigers, uh, he was, you know, he had, that was the biggest move, one of the biggest trades like ever to go through when he was shipped over there and lived up to expectations. I will always be bitter because he was rumored to be going to the White Sox, and it was down to the White Sox and the Tigers, and Kenny Williams didn't pull the trigger. I'm not bitter though. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> hey, he's, he's, <laughs> he's lived up to the hype pretty much every step of the way, and just hopefully he can come back next year and bounce back from this. But on a positive note, Joe, I want to talk about another AL Central first baseman. Touched on a little bit. Just want to to get the White Sox fans out there voting for Jose Abreu. Uh, he is, like I said earlier, leading the. Uh, All AL first baseman and all-star votes. White Sox fans, as much as they might not show up to the park as as much as as they'd like or as people would like them to, they they do tend to show out in these all-star votings. Like you said earlier, the punch age. I know Scotty Pods was the last man in and the Sox fans do tend to vote for him. Jose Abreu, I believe, is leading all offensive categories uh, amongst AL first baseman except for home runs, which is fifth. He's having his best season since he was a rookie year. He's heading second in Major League Baseball in doubles, leading the AL in doubles. And he's just an all-time good guy. Uh, he, he's a great clubhouse guy. He absolutely deserves to be an all-star. So let's go out and let's get Jose Abreu. I know we got a loyal following here, definitely enough that can can swing the votes his way, Joe. Let's get people mm-hmm. voting for Jose Abreu. Let's get him in the all-star game. Let's get him to start. Let's let's get our rep in there in, in the starting lineup. How about that? It's,
0: sounds good. We're doing our part here at the Moose and Runes podcast, getting these uh, getting these white socks, a little bit of love. Uh, go out there and vote for your cubbies as well. we got to get as many of those Chicago guys in the all-star game as possible so then we could uh, casually watch two innings of the all-star game this summer. Yeah,
1: Watch the first two and then once the starters are out, we're done.
0: <laughs> That's going to do it for the Moose and News podcast. Matt, as always, thank you for, uh, for bringing the heat here on a uh, Wednesday edition of the Moose and Runes podcast, episode number 60 in the books. As always, tweet us your mailbag questions at Moose and Runes on Twitter. That's the direction we want to take this pod. We want to get you some good guests. We want to do uh, do some mailbag, do some buy or sell, and uh, just have a lot of fun with this because we're going to need you guys to carry us over here in the month of July when things slow down a bit because we can only talk about Tiger Woods so much. Thank you, as always, Moose and Runes listeners. We will talk to you soon.